We're ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. Let's pour it up. Give me, giving me a double portion, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> Must be a good coffee. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, this is pretty tasty. My my. This is actually really crusty. <laughs> my my taster is pretty bad. Like, it's, what's going? Okay, this this needs to hit the dishwasher soon, or get nuked with in a bathtub full of kafiza. I need to fill up the bathtub with a bunch of kafiza and pure calf, and then just like throw all of my gear in the ek the fort. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be a good reel actually. So that would probably go viral. And then you'd have to buy like $10,000 worth of gear. Oh, man. I need to write down this grind size. Nailed. How many days off of uh, a roast ooh, is this coffee? Ooh, ooh. I cannot spill. Um, for the sake of the podcast, guess. Because we're talking about... Yeah, it just... It tastes pretty, like, tastes good. Like, this is what I like. And usually I like coffees about, uh, like, 21 days off of roast um, to longer. It doesn't, what I'm skeptical of is it doesn't taste, it doesn't taste flat. And it does, and it still has very good acidity. And it has very good, um, like, those uh, delicate, like, aromatic, um, volatile notes and flavors, like, it's not as perfumey or it's not like bonkers bonkers so it's definitely quite rested but it's sweet so from all of that i would say it's roughly about minimum four weeks off of roast maximum six weeks give me a minute keep the audience enter entertained yeah. I mean, it, it's a tasty coffee, I would say. I mean, I can't blame any any of this on, I mean, there's nothing to blame, but I wouldn't say, I would say we nailed the grind size on this one. Mm -hmm. And that's also because I went back to brewing basically on the flat. I don't know how I like that conical uh, cone on the Breville. I don't know. I'm just. It's a love hate. Yeah, kind of makes sense. Maybe yeah, I haven't sense, but it doesn't. messed around yeah. with the Breville settings enough to dial yeah. in like a pour over esque. That I think That's, is yeah. is actually I think that might play a big role in it as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of cool settings on the Breville, which is a, makes it a cool machine, yeah. especially at that price point. But uh, yeah, um, here here's a shocker. This is about three days off of roast. Dang. Pretty crazy, huh? But this isn't, yeah, I, wow. Really got me on that one. Doesn't taste metallic at all. I think it kind of, I, I kind of do, I would say yes. Just a hint, tinge. It's got this weird, like, um, the only way I can explain it is metallic, but I don't know if, 
especially because of what we're talking about. I actually don't yeah. know if that's because I knew that as I was portioning out the coffee. Yeah. And I came in almost expecting for it to have some yeah. something interesting or 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 I actually t- taste it, you know. I Yeah. I don't know. But um, to say the least, it's a, it doesn't taste like a bad brew. Um, I think you're right. The the grind size was nailed. Um, it's got some some nice mm-hmm. acidity. It's it, it it's got it's got some delicate flavors to it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's very nice. I mean, maybe you know me. I always yeah. The edge. body actually is yeah. really nice. Really the nice. body of the coffee. It's like yeah. it's got an interesting sweetness in there. Yeah, it's yeah. It's great. I think I I tend to lean towards like older coffees. Because I think I, I hate, like, strongly dislike when coffee's too fresh. Me too. It just bothers me. Like, I, I can't enjoy it. I don't like the mouthfeel. And because I enjoy everything, mm-hmm. I kind of lean towards what I normally enjoy. So, yeah, man, wow, that's a surprise. So, speaking <laughs> of, yeah. transition right into that. Cause that's yeah. a very good segue. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. want to talk about this idea of... More, more than just flavor, but how mm-hmm. we perceive ideas of flavor in the sense mm-hmm. of like, gosh, like I think blind cupping would be to sum it up. Like that would be the core essence of what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Cause I've had a few experiences, a few conversations with folks around yep. coffee yep. being, um, like cupped blindly or tasted blindly, brewed blindly. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea of like, you can bring up a, some coffee beans, no label, no nothing, no description person can assess them, look at the actual beans themselves mm-hmm. and be like, Oh, that looks like this varietal. Um, obviously like, you know, sometimes you look at some coffee beans, you know, they're super small and round shaped. Mm-hmm. You're going to think pea berry, right? Or if you look at a bigger size coffee bean, you're going to think of, um, the, what is it? Pacamara. Yeah. Um, the giant Pacamara. Yeah, or yeah. They're like yeah. huge. So, um, there's that kind of giveaway visually. Um, but even if you can, like take that away and not even look and have someone prepare a cup. Yeah. Um, what like mm-hmm. is mind boggling to me that the perception of what you're experiencing, not only taste, the general experience changes. Um, so to a degree, like yeah. I think that I, w- I want to see that practiced more. So like a few of the, some recent experiences I've had have mm-hmm. um, kind of challenged me to think more that way and to practice that. More. You've even here on the cupping table have caught me red handed um, <laughs> when <laughs> you threw up a decaf and had me cup it. And um, I was oh, yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I was kind of yeah. blown away by that. But it also opened up something in me where I realized that blind cupping is kind of scary. Yeah, I think I think I realized that for sure, um, especially as we're, we've been cupping our production rows, especially in the last seven months. Um, and the days where we, you know, roasted the same coffee multiple mm-hmm. ways. And we already, because we know what the data says, we know what the, the curve looks like. We know what all these things are. Um, we have some kind of preconceived ideas that we want to mm-hmm. like infuse, like the new coffee that we roasted, um, that's about to drop in the next week. Um, what's it called? When we had that trio cupping with three different roast profiles. Yeah. And it was just like blind, boom. Even though both of us were kind of expecting certain things out of this mm-hmm. certain profiles of how we remember it roasted. And so, um, 
yeah, and you know, if if I'm gonna be completely transparent, the the blind cuppings have screwed me over many times. Like they yeah. they they catch me thinking, wow, do I do I even understand what I'm tasting? Yeah, or assuming the classics, like oh man, if this coffee is like fruity and maybe floral it must be an african or this yeah, coffee yeah, yeah. is like chocolatey kind of basic and must be a south american um even coming in with those assumptions already skews things and if you're not being intentional about the cup you're cupping right there mm-hmm. and or the cup of coffee you're drinking right there then you um can kind of miss very interesting aspects mm-hmm. but i think within that also blind cupping is um scary in the sense of it's like vulnerable. Um, sure. You have to, uh, well, even like Especially experiencing flavors. Yeah. yeah. And, but also like getting in a circle and talking mm-hmm. after a cupping about what you've experienced <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. can be kind of scary because you're literally just banking on a few things like what you have stored in your memory bank, mm-hmm. um, what you're experiencing with your uh, senses, but also the vocabulary you're using, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You and I have always been, okay, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you mean by silky? What do you mean yeah. by tea-like? Like, are you saying it tastes like black tea or are you saying it's tea-like in body? Yeah. Um, so yeah. using different language is kind of scary, at least for me it's been, yeah. especially in, in like, you know, you show up to a cupping where you have folks that you may look up to, you have folks that you respect yeah. and, you know, you want to slurp the loudest and uh, you want to have something bonkers to drop and be like, dude, that's like, uh, I remember back in the day used to be the classic, that's a mayor lemon. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, we all remember those jokes and all those uh, mm-hmm. memes, but dropping like very specific ones. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a coffee lined up right now that has a very specific flavor note that you and I have both said like, I mean, I don't know, is this like a good thing or a bad thing, you know? So I think the other thing with that, and sorry, I'm rambling, is like, even though it's vulnerable, uh, even though it's scary to mm-hmm. put something um, on a you know label or to experience something mm-hmm. and share with someone what you're experiencing, it does create a um, a sense of uh, like transparency, if that's mm-hmm. the right word, or a it keeps us accountable to what we're experiencing, but also what we're sharing and how we're communicating. Of course. And before you go on, I'd love to say is like the, the accountability part and the transparency part is scary. Um, only until you learn how to practice humbleness and humility. Yes. And once you get into the fact of saying there is a potential that I'm wrong, that I don't have the best palate, that, um, I could be understanding things completely different yep. or incorrectly, or I could touch up this. All of a sudden then, actually what happens is when you're vulnerable and let's say you say the wrong thing or you're tasting or you're experiencing something the wrong way, those are powerful moments that you yep. can actually learn from. Yes. And what I've noticed is that the most embarrassing, embarrassing isn't the word, but the the times that I was like, that was literally caught like red-handed, like that was just wrong, are actually the moments that have become foundational to my growth and to my understanding. And they're moments that I go back to and I'm like, this is why I think that, is because it's built on this experience that really marked me because Mm -hmm. it felt really uncomfortable for me. 
but it's such a powerful learning experience. So even though it's difficult, I'd, I'd recommend like people take the, take the risk in those circumstances, even though you might not look like you're the smartest person or to have the best palate, but it's a powerful, like really spectacular learning experience. Yeah. And if you approach this, uh, kind of blind tasting cupping method with that kind of mentality, um, then the kind of the nakedness of it all that like reveals what you know or what you don't know isn't um, like shame-based. It's not there to humiliate you, mm-hmm. especially in the like community that you're cupping or even if it's just you and I or even if it's just like, I don't know, like close friends. Like if you're in that right atmosphere, mm-hmm. then it becomes like that kind of, that transparency becomes a place of growth and a becomes yeah. a place of flourishing. Yeah. Because at some point, like, you may not know what you don't know. Like if you yeah. don't know how, um, I don't know, a certain thing tastes, uh-huh. then you have to learn it. And how do you learn it? You know what I mean? One, by cupping with people, the other way is to actually go and experience that flavor or yeah. that smell or in general, that mouthfeel, you know, like even earlier we were talking about a coffee and I was saying, man, I think every single time I try something mm-hmm. that has bergamot mm-hmm. or like Earl Grey tea, it's yeah. actually floral. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because yeah, yeah. I'm like familiar with bergamot a lot, but I probably have mm-hmm. never had jasmine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I probably enough. never had these like wild floral flavors. I kind of know what my experience with those flavors are, mm-hmm. but I might not be able to like nail it. Or I yeah. lean towards something I'm very familiar with is lavender. You know what yeah. I mean? Or um, going with like something that's floral and sweet, I automatically assume in my mind that's like honey or agave. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that, like if you don't have those things in the memory bank, it may feel like it's embarrassing. But I think this form of transparency actually leads into um, being much more effective at how you experience coffee. Mm-hmm. And especially for us professionals, like roasting coffee all the time, mm-hmm. brewing coffee all the time, talking about coffee. Um, the hardest thing for us sometimes is just putting those things on a label. That's freaking vulnerable. That's like yeah. scary because like, yeah. Like, I mean, we've experienced that of with our course. Ethiopia Guji. Like, we put Blackberry and then realize that we're kind of interpreting that in a different way. It's still yeah. Blackberry-esque for yeah. us. Yeah. But yeah. for a lot of people, it actually tastes like something that's a little tweaked. It could be tweaked. something a little more, it's not, it's right or wrong. It's just more maybe accurate or more understandable for somebody experiencing. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, it's a lot of it is like what you said in the beginning is like it it changes how you experience coffee Mm -hmm. um and i think for sure experience is a big 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 question here or is a keyword here because i think um cupping or tasting coffee blindly is super powerful because of how our minds are easily can be easily tricked into thinking something else just because it's anaerobic it's got to be good or just because it's you know it's a geisha it's got to be good i have tried geishas that don't taste good that are like basic you know like or it's you know it goes as far as saying like what happens when you have this beautiful fully printed bag inside of a fully printed box with all this intricate design and imagery and information and um, has more information about the producer and the, all this stuff. And you're like, this has to be good. Right. Pair yeah. that with like a fun, like 
what you put like pair that with like some funky tasting notes that are yeah. like out of this world watermelon blueberries and banana you yeah. know like all of a sudden then your mind is just like you're i would say is you're already experiencing a form of the coffee right so coffee is no longer just what you have in your diner mug yeah but it's actually so much bigger than that now it's the information paired with the branding, paired with the packaging, paired with the aromas, with the with the g- smells you're getting right when it grinds through your yep. your your hopper, um, wet smells, you know, like it's actually a culmination of everything, and all those things are getting in the way of us. Um, actually, and this is solely also like on a on a very. Um, you're cupping a coffee for its quality and for its characteristics right. and for its just it, in its purest, clearest form. Yeah. Almost like a, like a Q grader. And I don't want to say like a, like almost like you're about to, like you're trying to criticize it or grade it, but in that, in that sense, almost, yeah, you know, where, where you want a clear evaluation mm-hmm. and it's hard to do that if you're not blindly tasting cupping or whatever. Yeah. You know, so especially if you're in a place where you have to choose coffees for a cafe or you want to pick up a wholesale account. I Mm -hmm. mean, from a roaster's point of view, that's also like what we hope. Like if someone approaches us and like, hey, we're thinking about uh, switching up our wholesale accounts. um, What coffees do you have? Like I'm always tempted to just send like some bags with no labels on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might not be the prettiest presentation because you yeah. also want to reveal your brand to of course, someone. Of course, But at the end of the day, you want folks to experience coffee at its purest form. Mm-hmm. You want to experience two things, what the producer has done and what we've done. And um, some of the like statements that Edwin shared, like even Maxwell shared, like as roasters, we only make coffee worse. <laughs> We're not making it better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every link in not even the supply chain, but the process of creating a cup of coffee, um, we, we have that risk of just like degrading that quality. Mm-hmm. So like when someone approaches, like we want to make sure there's this like raw representation of it as close as we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the branding too, it's like the classic cliche that we've always heard is like, man, you go into you know a library or bookstore, don't d- judge a book by its cover. Because that that can be very deceiving, you know what I mean? Just because something is designed yeah. pretty pretty and it's in order and you have like, you know, artist series bags, yeah. right? Does yeah. not mean that coffee is yeah. like going to be bonkers. Like the price may be justifiable. Like, of yeah. course, if you had some artist yeah. design a bag and like part of their art, you're also paying a high price, not only for the coffee, but for the design. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. That's cool. I like that. But... At the end of the day, like just because it's in a fancy bag does not clearly say yeah. it's a fancy coffee in itself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And the you know I I've said this before on the podcast, but I would encourage you guys to. Um, it's hard to cut blindly when you buy a, co- a coffee bag from right. the internet, and it comes, and you know what you got, you know what it looks like, you know all this stuff. But I would just highly recommend is like um getting a couple cupping bowls and just cupping coffee at home like Mm -hmm. first off it's a fun experience to cup coffees um but it also um might help you see it more like the roaster is actually seeing it and tasting it yeah instead of like a brewing method getting in the way or whatever 
But also I would say like if you have a couple cupping bowls is blindly have somebody mix up your bowls yeah. and label them on the bottom, like on the bottom side. So you don't see it when you're cupping and take notes. And this is something we've gotten into the habit of. Yeah. And you take notes and then don't look at what the coffee is until you've agreed this is what you think about the coffee. Here's where you stand. You like it or you don't or whatever. And then take a look and mm-hmm. then see what you think. Yeah. Um, and, and on top of that, like yeah. cupping itself um, eliminates the bias of like having a perfectly dialed brew. That's another yes. reason why we yes. always say like, yes. man, I agree. get in the habit of like just trying your coffee for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I know not everybody can do a cupping and get that, but try to create a brew recipe yeah. or a brew that just is simple, eliminates a lot of factors of um, just like mess up factors and uh, error points and just taste mm-hmm. the coffee for it for what it is. And I think yeah. that's where like blind cupping for the win because like, you're just tasting mm-hmm. the actual seed itself yeah. and like void of all the other things that your mind is processing because your mind, you're actually, especially I was going to do some more research on it and ran, ran out of time. The way we perceive um, one flavor has everything to do with just our mind. And then mm-hmm. our experiences are um, adding on to that. Like mm-hmm. if, I mean, we've talked about this so many times, if you love a certain flavor, you might lean to always calling that flavor out. Yeah. Or if you were like, you know, for a week straight eating pineapple, you're going to start calling pineapple out yeah. on every coffee because it's lodged yeah. in that um, part of your brain where you're just loving it and experiencing that. Um, so yeah, so all of this helps. I think recently, especially um, like for us, I've just experienced a lot of blind cuppings yeah. apart from when we're releasing a coffee, we're doing that a lot, but also just apart from where I've been and like sending out mm-hmm. folks like, Hey, here's a bag of coffee. Try this. I'm not telling you what it is. I just want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like with like me being at narrative, like hearing the squad talk about, Hey, like we sometimes have to cup like, you know, 70 plus coffees yeah. on the table and blindly, we have no idea. And I think in combination with what I've experienced, what I've heard people say, like there's this, um, there's this excitement in me, but also like I'm inspired to be able to like experience flavor on a much deeper level and then mm-hmm. grow my vocabulary because, uh, you know, I've shared this experience with you. I've had like a little, uh, set up a little blind cupping and had folks cup coffees mm-hmm. and didn't say anything about the coffees, no bags, no nothing, um, didn't even say like what's going to happen. Just said, Hey, taste these and real like seeing the results and the experiences from folks seeing the notes post that was so eye opening to me because when you remove the bias, like you can't call out things like, man, mm-hmm. all Kenyan coffees taste like tomato soup yeah. or, yeah. you know what I mean? Such generic. So yeah. that was a encouraging and a big learning experience for me as a roaster, but also like, Hey, you need to cup coffees and taste coffees more mm-hmm. like that. So, and I also yeah. like with that said, like here's another experience that was, I think eye opening for both of us was cupping defect kits. Um, that has been, you know, pretty big yeah. because yes, we kind of knew what we were getting into, but we also mixed up the bowls and we were actually cupping to taste the roast itself without actually mm-hmm. knowing like yeah. what's going to come through. Yeah. For sure. That was a huge learning experience. Um, that's Scott Rayo's Roast Defect Kit. And uh, we're waiting for the next one to drop because I'm going to buy it. 
Um, we have yet to try Rob Hoos's. We need to. We need to. It's still, it's waiting for us. But yeah, those things are always great learning experiences. I mean, this is just a little shout out. Also is like, um, it's one thing to also like cup of coffee blindly. Um, it's also the same thing when you're cupping coffee and you're talking as you're cupping. Oh uh, yeah. we. That's that not mistake. fair either. Cause no. when you're cupping, somebody else will say, Oh man, that tastes like, I don't know. Um, you know, jackfruit or, uh, that tastes like pineapple or whatever. And then you start to taste that all of a sudden you can't get that out of your head. You're like, this is exactly what it was. Yeah. And sure. Maybe somebody helped you understand that or somebody tricked you into thinking that that's what it tastes like when it doesn't even taste that way. Right. But, um, I preface that with saying, uh, saying that, um, I'd highly check if you haven't heard of facsimile coffee, I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's, uh, run by Ryan Brown and Scott Rayo and, uh, they bring on coffee professionals and they'll send out once a month, they'll send out four different coffees, no labels, no nothing. Um, you don't even know the coffees before you cup, right. which nice because it gives some kind of, um, kind of like that blind experience. Uh, the other thing is also though, the downside is that these coffee professionals are cupping live with you. Mm -hmm. So you, you're listening to them talk about it. I mean, what you could do is you could actually cup it by yourself yeah. Apart from them, take notes and then watch the video. Um, I've, they post it on YouTube or whatever. So that's another way of doing it. But that has been a really fun experience, actually, to taste alongside of people who are way more experienced than I am. Right. Yeah. Um, and coffees blindly where you don't know the origin at all, um, which is just... It, it, I think it makes you a much more experienced and more well-rounded um, taster. Yeah, I think the Zoom era has like opened up a, a can of worms for everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. when 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 would you have the opportunity to cup coffees with like Ryan? With I mean, there's so many yeah. like famous like Babinski was on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just so many like professional like coffees folks that are like very knowledgeable and have that vocabulary that you can learn from. Uh, but with the Zoom era, like, dude, opened up a whole new possibility. I yeah. mean, even, uh, what is it? Did James Hoffman do the, like, world's largest online cupping or oh, world's yeah, yeah. largest cu yeah. cupping yeah, online? Yeah, that's fun. Um, so with all of that said, like, you can, like, learn and grow in experiencing coffee for its truest form, mm -hmm. like, at home um, in a way that is comfortable for you. But also I would branch out and see if your area has public cuppings, which yes. you and I have always been talking about maybe collabing with someone or not and necessarily hosting, hosting and hosting one. one. Yeah. Like it would be yep. super fun. Like it would be a chill environment. Like but also I think, yeah. you know, kind of in this vein of like a thought, like folks I think make cupping way too intimidating. Mm -hmm. It's true. You know, all those sheets and all of those numbers and all of the um, like jargon, like all of that can be mm -hmm. kind of hard to digest. I remember some of my first cuppings yeah. and they were scary. But um, to kind of loosen that up, the goal is simply to taste. Yeah. yeah. That's it. For sure. Like, you don't even have to talk about it if you don't yeah. feel like you can or want to. Um, but the goal is to experience coffee and be able to grow in tasting. So hopefully one day when... Um, we can do that. That would be like my goal, just to bring people who don't normally do it to taste it alongside of us. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. 
Yeah, that's, I think public cuppings are uh, a huge part to this and can be extremely beneficial. Um, and yeah, I, I, I miss public cuppings. Uh, I've had a handful of really great public cupping experiences where people of all backgrounds, of all skill levels, you know, mm-hmm. can come together and just simply like, hey, let's just taste coffees um, and talk about them, talk about what we're, what we're tasting because it's fun. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anything else to add? Uh, Yeah, I I agree. I think it's all like, one, it's fun. And it's such a good learning experience that I'm just jazzed for um, more folks to experience coffee in that way, in that very like raw and unique way. And um, and all that said, like I would challenge any, you know, listener or viewer to be like, Mm -hmm. hey, have you intentionally tried coffees without letting the brand get in the way? Uh, Yeah. So th- that would be my biggest challenge. My takeaway is I know I've been challenging myself to do that more, even with all of our roast data, like trying to um, cup without letting, just trying to let my senses um, come to a decision factor rather mm-hmm. than just simply the information that I'm receiving. Yep. Yeah. There you have it, folks. Go cup some coffees blind. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We appreciate you and uh, hope you have a great weekend. Cheers.